Mormonism 101, a book by Mormonism Research Ministries, Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson, has helped many who want to understand what separates Mormonism from the Christian faith. Mormonism 101 is available at your favorite Christian bookstore or online at mrm.org. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Our thanks to Adams Road Band for that musical introduction. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week we are looking at an article that was published in the Salt Lake Tribune. It was an article written by Peggy Fletcher Stack titled, Mormon Vanquished, Moroni Missing, Pageants Pulled, Is the LDS Church Losing Its Identity? And in this piece, she interviews several Latter-day Saints, and we have to assume that they are faithful Latter-day Saints. They don't sound like they're really critical of the church to the point that they think some major changes have to make, but they do seem to have some concerns as to where their church is going. And as I mentioned in the opening segment on Monday, don't think for a minute that they are complaining about theology. They seem to be all in line with the theology of the church. It's just some of the other things that go along with it that they have a problem. I personally wish the theology would make some major course corrections, but that doesn't seem to be the case, even though Russell M. Nelson, since becoming the 17th president of the church in 2018, seems to want to emphasize the name Jesus more and more and certainly wants to get away from some of those titles that have differentiated members of the LDS church from the Christian counterparts. He wants to emphasize, of course, that they are followers of Jesus Christ. But that raises the question, well, who is this Jesus that you're talking about? See, just because Latter-day Saints are encouraged to talk more about Jesus, and Russell M. Nelson wants to emphasize that name more and more, we're not seeing any effort on his part, or really any effort on the church at large, to fall more in line with the Jesus of the New Testament. They still have some very heretical teachings regarding their view of Jesus, and quite honestly, a lot of what they even believe their Jesus is supposed to do is a benefit that most Latter-day Saints have not done enough to accomplish. What I mean by that, for instance, is he their Savior? They use that title, but in order for Jesus to be their Savior, there are certain things that Latter-day Saints must do. And so we would have to conclude, if we're going to be consistent, that if a Latter-day Saint has not done what they're supposed to do, then their Jesus, and at this point we don't even have to talk about his attributes, but Jesus is not really their Savior. They can say that, but technically he couldn't possibly be if there are certain requirements that must be met in an LDS context that members are not meeting. In yesterday's show, we ended with this subheading called the McDonald's Model, and Peggy Fletcher Stack cites this member, Liz Layton Johnson, who happens to live with her family in Saudi Arabia. To get in a, a flavor of what she's going to say, I think it's important that We need to mention where she says, as the church grows around the world, it has to reckon with the fact that America and its quirks aren't supposed to be the center of the church. And so far, we're finding that to be 
I guess you could say part of the problem, especially when we cited Matthew Bowman, who's a Mormon historian, he was talking about this idea of how the church seems to be modeled after what he calls white American Protestantism. Now, I don't think theologically that really seems to be the case, but perhaps he has in mind the way the church is structured and the way the buildings look and so forth and so on. But she goes on to say, It is fairly common to hear people who are visiting a new country say, I just love how the church is the same everywhere, she notes. And that's true, with some minor variation. But you know what else is the same everywhere? McDonald's. As a mother of kids who can be picky eaters, I admit that I am always grateful to find a McDonald's in a foreign country because I know that my kids will finally eat something without a fight, she says. But as an adult with a more refined palate, I don't want to eat McDonald's every meal. I want to experience the local flavors to understand the history behind the region's culinary influences and to try a variety of foods. The church can be a place that is both a McDonald's for the picky eaters, but also hosts some of the finer cuisine for those who are seeking something a little more expansive, she says. I hope that we can embrace a certain amount of pluralism that allows local variations to influence our worship without losing the core of the Christ-centered theology. I get the impression from what she's saying here, Eric, that she kind of has the same complaint that Matthew Bowman was suggesting. When she says, I hope that we can embrace a certain amount of pluralism, I don't think it would be right for us to assume that what she's talking about here would be a doctrinal pluralism. I don't get that impression at all. I think she explains herself in the rest of that sentence when she says, this kind of pluralism that allows local variation to influence our worship without losing the core of the Christ-centered theology. Now, we can argue do the Latter-day Saints really have what we believe to be a Christ-centered theology? I don't hold to that position. I think it's a church-centered theology. The reason I say that is because it seems like in the LDS church, you could almost be an atheist and still survive as long as you don't make your views too public. But as long as you're loyal to the church, you're going to be fine. It's when you start criticizing the church that you're going to find yourself getting into some hot water with your local leadership. I can see what she's saying here. McDonald's doesn't seem to fit everybody's palate. Now, I don't know if she meant this when she said it, but I kind of remembered something that I had heard from a couple who had come out of Mormonism that I met many years ago. And one of the reasons why they left the church was because they couldn't go deeper theologically. Now, this couple eventually came out of the church. Both of them found a saving faith in the Jesus of the New Testament. But I don't know if that's really what Ms. Johnson is saying here. I I think she's just merely talking about she would like to see a little bit of difference in some of the other areas, especially perhaps in worship, because Africans tend to worship different than most Americans. South Americans tend to worship a little different than those of us in American culture. It's not that our culture prohibits you finding some of these attributes in the way some of our churches operate, but for the most part, the LDS Church doesn't seem to follow that pattern. Bill, I've heard from many Latter-day Saints who have moved from other parts of the country to Utah 
that the church really is much different in the state of Utah than anywhere else. When she says when she visits a new country, I just want I just love how the church is the same everywhere. And that's true with some minor variation. Well what I have heard is it's such a major change as far as the culture of the local ward that many people who are faithful Latter-day Saints decide they can't stay here anymore and they end up moving to other parts of the country to get out of here. That's an interesting observation. Under the subheading, Losing Mormon, it says, a religious identity typically is expressed in a single word, Catholic, Muslim, Methodist, Jew, and so on. Such a short word is quasi-identical in all languages and thus universally recognized. The ban against quote-unquote Mormon obliterates that simple identifier, says Wilfried de Coup, a retired Brigham Young University professor who lives in Belgium. It disrupts easy communication with outsiders and makes it challenging for outsiders to write about the church. Now, this is an interesting idea, but I'm not surprised that a person like this could hold to that position. I think, and I've said this many times, that a lot of Latter-day Saints, when Russell M. Nelson came out in August of 2018 and basically told members to stick to calling the church by its proper name, and then it was emphasized that members themselves could not refer to themselves as either LDS or Mormon, and they could no longer use the word Mormonism. And that's how it is in the style guide that the church has on its official newsroom website right now. I thought a lot of Latter-day Saints were probably confused by that, because if they were, let's say, above the age of 20, 30, maybe 40 years old, you know that they probably all used those words not only to describe themselves, but to describe the LDS movement. And now that abbreviation, LDS, is not even allowable in the church. Bill, I'm going to suggest that the LDS Church had a wonderful brand name. Now, back in the 1980s, I took uh, marketing classes at San Diego State, and I remember when Coke made a change to its recipe, and it became the new Coke. Well, that was not accepted by many people. In fact, Pepsi gained a huge share because of that terrible decision. And so they ended up making what was called New Coke as a secondary soda to put next to the original Coke. But it was a terrible marketing decision. I think by losing the word Mormon, the LDS Church took away an identifier that has complicated things more than simplified them. And I think Mr. Deku agrees totally with you, Eric, because he talks about the ban on that word in the next paragraph. The ban on Mormon is quite parochial since it only works well internally within the church when people mention the church or the gospel or the members, he says. There is no need for clarification, but external and comparative communication requires an identifier such as Mormon and Mormonism. And I think he's absolutely correct. I noticed that when I moved to Utah several years ago, I was listening to a journalist on a local television show, and he used the phrase, the church. Now, who would know what that really meant unless you were a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? If I did not have my understanding of what this organization was all about, you might get lost in that. What? What do you mean by the church? Now, of course, the context of his reporting would have hinted as to where you're going, 
But when you listen to people talk, like let's say in a line at the grocery store, you listen to people talk about the church. Now, they know what they're talking about, but you wouldn't know what they're talking about unless, of course, you were very familiar with this culture and how people operate. Deku continues, and he says, avoidance of the M-word also greatly complicates our public relations efforts. President Gordon B. Hinckley's injunction to let the word Mormon shine so people could see the good in us was very helpful at the time to proudly come out, like in the massive I'm a Mormon campaign. Getting publicity for the Salt Lake City headquartered church is now quite difficult without a simple name, he says. One notices the problem in the dearth of articles about the church in the local media. Mormon would attract attention because it is familiar, and I completely agree with what he's saying. And I think you're right, Eric, because as I noticed before 2018, very few Latter-day Saints really had a problem with this. Now, they've always tended to have a problem with their church being known as the Mormon Church. Now, again, using the word Mormon in front of the word church was very simple. And I think most people, if you said that, would understand exactly what you were referring to. Now, some Latter-day Saints, and I personally think some were feigning offense, but they would act as if that was something that you should be rebuked for saying. I don't think that was a good reaction, because when you're trying to communicate with someone and trying to get them to see things your way, rebuking them like that is not really a positive way to go about it. I don't think that that's a positive thing, and I think what Mr. Deku is saying here makes quite a bit of sense. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.